Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts to Australia to talk to Karen Garten. We're going to talk about women sharing their voice and she hosts a live storytelling event. I love that. I love to get captivated and transformed and transported into somebody else's life to see how they're, that they're relatable, to see how they tell a story, to see how uh, it ends up. So I'm so excited to have her uh, here with us today because women need a voice. So many have been suppressed, so many have been lost, um, so many have been angered. They just don't know. Or, as I told one of her colleagues, some of them talk too cotton-picking much. Because <laughs> we can do that, too. We can over-talk a situation. So we're going to try to create some balance and harmony with Karen. How are you, Precious? Welcome to On the Edge. Thank you, April. I am very well, and I'm delighted to be here and chatting with you today. Well, this is exciting because, again... Um, I was a member of Toastmasters International. I was a, a president. So I understand uh, well, how important it is to have a clear message. But your program and the ladies that you are with do a little deeper dive. It's not yeah. about parliamentary procedure. It's not how to get back and forth up and down the lectern. It's not how to, uh, you know, so much uh, reduce the filler words. But it's more about telling your story, a more about a release. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So I'm I'm a number of things, as you already mentioned, the host of Story Nights, and I have this deep passion for creating a platform where women have freedom to express themselves and tell their stories. Because let's face it, in this world, how many places are there where you can stand up and tell your story and speak from your heart and tell your truth? And I discovered storytelling myself a number of years ago because at the time I felt like I was on a mission to share my story with the world. I, I needed people to know what I knew. There was something important that I knew and I, I wanted others to know it. And I started telling stories. And what happened in that process is I started telling stories, but then I was like, oh, actually, this is helping me. This it's not just about me telling other people what I know, but I'm affirming myself and I'm creating more compassion and acceptance for myself. So mm. I discovered that storytelling is this two-way thing. You give your story as a gift, right. but you also receive in the acknowledgement and acceptance of yourself. Well, you know, um, again, uh, it's a very powerful tool because that's how children learn, but also there in Australia, um, it's embedded in the First Nations people, the Aborigines people, because mm -hmm. that's how the culture stays alive is through storytelling. A lot of tribal Absolutely. cultures, uh, you know, Africans and Caribbeans, they do it through storytelling. Yeah. And I always, when I open story nights, I always acknowledge that long and deep history of storytelling that we have in our land. What is the, uh, the, the, uh, the must-have, the go-tos in telling a good story? Mm. 
So in Woman Speak, the program that I teach, I encourage women or the program itself encourages women to connect with their truth and connect with what is true and alive for them, their unique voice, their unique message. And we speak from a place of heart, open-heartedness. We speak from a place of not necessarily having it all right, not necessarily knowing all the answers, but speaking from a place of authenticity. And so we, one of the things that we do at the start of a woman speak circle is we dance. We play some music and we get into our bodies and we move around because we spend so much time, right, up here. Right, It's right. like we're talking... You know, so, yeah, we're so like talking head. I get it. Yeah. So we spend all our time up here and we're disconnected. And for women, this doesn't work often because we are uh, energetic beings, right? So our energy runs through our whole body. And if we're disconnected, we're not speaking from a place of authenticity. We're trying to think about it. We're trying to think what's the right answer. We're trying to think what's the best thing to say. But when we're in our bodies, we're coming from a place of this is my truth. This is what I know. And we're grounded in ourselves and our being. And we share from that place. And that has a different resonance, a different power. In our Women Speak circles, we also have a, a, it's a circle of confidentiality. You can share anything on any topic. So that, well, within reason, we, we don't disparage anyone, but you can speak about the things that feel true for you, knowing that if you get it wrong or if you stumble, there's not going to be any judgment for that. There's only going to be celebration. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a circle where you get to grow and you get to start from wherever you're at. You come in, no matter, so you might have been speaking for some time. You might have never done any speaking and you're terrified. And it gives you the opportunity to express yourself from wherever you're at and grow from that place. Well, you've taken it a step further. Not only are you speaking, but you have taken pen to pad. Tell us a little bit about your book. <laughs> yeah, so it's been, um, it's funny. I started talking to my editor about this at the beginning of this year. And I said, oh, I've only just started writing. She said, uh-uh-uh, this story has been in you for many, many years. So I wrote my book this year. Here it is, Speaking from the Scar. I have a beautiful illustrator who wow. created this gorgeous lotus flower. So the lotus is symbolic of growing up through the mud and then blooming into a beautiful flower. So um, I was someone who for most of my life thought I had my life pretty together, you know, capable, confident woman making change and difference in the world and uh, beautiful children, a house in the suburbs, married, all those things. But something just felt a little bit off and I just ah, couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it was when I got to my mid-40s that I began to realise that there was things from my childhood that had been unaddressed. Mm. And I always thought that those things didn't match up, that they weren't of any real significance and they didn't need to be talked about. And, you know, it's only going to make other people upset and unhappy and let's I'm fine you know that mantra right. that often right. women do right. I'm fine um, but as it turns out I wasn't fine and I started to look backwards and unpack some of my experiences so mm -hmm. when I was just nine years old I was sexually abused 
um, by a man who was our trusted neighbor. So, and when those experiences stopped, I figured, well, I'm okay now because it stopped. But what I didn't understand then that I now know is that every experience that we have, everything that happens to us, it's like it gets recorded in our body. We right. have an energetic memory of everything that happens. And so for me, in the experiences of being abused, um, it's like I contracted. Okay, so imagine that our bodies have this, you know, energy, we, life force that moves through us. When we have an, uh, an abusive experience, we contract, right? And you can think about it as like someone slammed the door. You go, oh, okay, you contract. So this is kind of what happened. And in that moment, my um, being dissociated. Wow. So to get through the experience right, to survive. Right, right. It's, a, it's a numbing. Yeah. And I didn't know. I was nine, you know. I didn't know. I didn't understand. And I figured, well, it stopped, so I'm okay now. And I kind of also figured that, you know, mum would know because mums know stuff, right? They, when you're nine, mums are magical. They know everything. And I think I kind of just expected that she would know and say something. And she never did. And I never did. And then as I got older, I started to run this other story that went, well, if I talk about this, other people are going to worry about me. And I'm not worried about me because I think I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So I had all these different stories running about why I didn't have to do this. And I never have all my stories conveniently meant I would never have to speak about it. Okay. And so and then once you actually decide to open up about it, what happened? How did you feel? Mm. Yeah, well, it was a it was an ongoing process, um, but in the beginning, I had a, an experience that was kind of like a an opening. I connected with my feelings because with dissociation, uh, I I shut down in a feeling sense. So I could always remember what had happened. I could recount the like watching a movie. I could tell you what happened, but I couldn't tell you how I felt about what happened. So I dissociated from a feeling sense. And so I reconnected with my feelings. And whew, that was, that was big. And there was a lot of confusion. And that then led to anger. And, but I still was in this place of, oh, but I don't want to tell mum, because, you know, I don't want her to know. And uh, it was something that happened um, I've actually, if you want me to read a little piece, I can share yes, go ahead. what Please happened. Please. Yeah, I've got, I've got the piece that kind of made me go, ah, this is this, and it shifted my whole perspective. So um, this was, um, let me, let me give you a, so I, I was wanting to get, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my job. I was feeling a bit stuck. I'd already been talking to a few friends, my husband, you know, I told, I never told my husband, I kept this thing a secret for 36 years. Mm. And so I connected, um, I decided I wanted to go see a clairvoyant, you know, just a bit of fun. So that's the, that's the setup for this, this part of my book. So I'll share this with you. I've been feeling like I was ready for a change, a change in career, perhaps. The love and light healing place where I'd been regularly meditating, offered readings. And I honestly thought 
It would just be a bit of fun. Let me tell you, that reading was anything but fun. As soon as I sat down on the couch, this woman opposite said to me, I'm getting that you're blocked. Instinctively, I knew this was related to being sexually abused. But from my perspective, this place where I was supposedly blocked had no exit. I felt annoyed, so I struck out. Well, if I'm blocked, it's probably because I was sexually abused when I was nine, and I really don't see what I can do about that now. Wow. She gave me a knowing nod, but didn't speak, so I continued talking. I've really done a lot of work on this. I've talked to my husband. I've talked to my friends. I've talked with my boss at work. I could feel my agitation rising. That's good. She paused and waited for me to continue, as if she knew there was more for me to say. I don't understand why this is hanging about like a dark cloud. As I continued to speak, my tears also began to flow. I was so frustrated this had come up. There's nothing more I can do. I've cried, I've talked, but that's it. There's nothing more I can do. I can't tell my mum. She would be devastated to know this happened to me. Through my blubbering, I continued talking. She might blame herself or think she'd enabled this to happen. I don't want her to ever think she was responsible for this happening. I took another tissue from the box and blew my nose. But look, I'm, I'm fine, really, I'm fine. I only came here today to see you, to see what you'd say about me getting a new job. I'm bored at work. I'm not sure what to do next. Can't we just talk about that? We debated it for a little while. She insisted this blockage was related to being abused. And I insisted I wanted guidance on my career path. The whole time, I felt like I was sitting in a counselling session more than a clairvoyant reading. I kept repeating there was nothing more I could do. I mopped up my tears and repeated again, I'm okay, really, I am, I'm fine. She looked at me with a wry smile and said, really, you're fine, are you? Look at you, you're a mess. <laughs> and through my tears, I pleaded with her that I couldn't do anything more. I explained that I couldn't tell mum and I'd never want to put myself through the ordeal of reporting to the police. So really, there was no point. I asserted again that there was nothing else that could be done. She paused in contemplation and then asked me a question. Who are you really protecting? I didn't have an immediate answer. She was, of course, referring to my desire to protect my mum. But her question suggested I was protecting someone else. I hesitated. Who else could I possibly be protecting? It occurred to me that I wanted to protect myself, but that didn't add up because I'd been speaking with my husband, my boss and my friends. I wasn't keeping a secret anymore. And then I understood. The silence that I had convinced myself that was for the best, that would save my mother from the pain of knowing what had happened, that I'd created because I believed there was no point in ever telling anyone. This silence was protecting him, the perpetrator. I was protecting the man that had abused me. I was protecting a pedophile. 
This was a revelation. Honestly, I had never considered it from this perspective before. The silence that I was certain was for the best was allowing this man to get away with what he had done. And this changed everything. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I had to. I didn't want to, but I understood in that moment that I needed to tell mum. And this man was no longer going to have the protection of my silence. When you woke up out of this fog, out of this mystery, and you realized, okay, this is it. Um, I'm responsible for my actions. I've forgiven myself. I've forgiven this person. But you greet a whole new person. You know, you, you're telling a new story. This is a new narrative. This is a new chapter. How do you take all of that and turn that into fuel? Because it doesn't mm. make it go away. Um, you're, you are telling your story, but really, how does that benefit us? How does that really free us? Yeah, it's a really powerful thing. And it took me a long time, April, to get to that point. So for me, it was a long journey. Uh, there was a court case and oh there was... Yeah, so yeah, once I started talking, I didn't stop. <laughs> uh, there was a court, there was a court case, there was a conviction, he went to jail for five years. So there was power in me owning my story because I was able to then get justice. And the were thing that I think only, so, were you his only victim that came forth? Because you know, yeah, see. No, there were many. I didn't know that at the time. But, you know, that was a really powerful thing, too, because I was sitting in a place of, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't need to go to court. I don't need that. But when I flipped my perspective to maybe I could help other people, like maybe there's other people that he's abused. And if I spoke up, maybe that would add another voice to a group of voices. So perhaps my voice can help others. And that is really the thing that I've learned about speaking, finding my voice and speaking. You know, I was always that shy little girl, mm. which makes me, made me very groomable uh, in those circumstances. So it took a lot for me to find my voice and to speak. And once we come into that place of authentically owning our story, my story can't, has no power over me anymore power that I actually didn't even know that it had. Mm -hmm. So I had to realize and accept the story to then discover that I can be free of it. And I can sit here and talk to you and, and talk to all the brains out there about it and have no, um, I can feel neutral about it now. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't always the case. No, and, and, through and again, there's going to be women and men go through this, they have been violated. Um, there's no excuse. I think people should be tarred and feathered. I don't know how you could violate a child. I think too, also parents have a responsibility in this day and age to educate their children and you don't wait until they're 12, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good touch, bad touch, uh, stranger danger. You know, I know that there was uh, some uh, creepy neighbor and I told my daughter, never get in the car under any circumstance. And asked her a couple of times, you know, can I give you a ride up the hill? She says, no, I'm fine. Um, 
And but you don't want your kids to grow up to be paranoid either. You don't want them to not have the fun of having the sleepover or you know going and hanging out with their friends. It's a very delicate dance. But I'm glad that you are there working um, to help people share their voice. Now, are you also a publisher? Do you publish? No, I don't publish. No, I worked with a, a publisher called Chestnut Publishing. So they helped me to, to make this available. It's on Amazon. Uh, so yeah. How did it make you feel when you saw that your book was in print? You go, oh my God. Don't you feel a sense of accomplishment? Of course, absolutely. And what really, what really fills my heart is the idea that this, my story can go out there and other people could read it and then identify with some part of it in some way. Mm. Know that they're not alone. Know that then, you know, that statistically this happens, childhood sexual abuse in Australia, and I think the stats would be similar in the US, uh, one in four one in four adults have experienced childhood sexual abuse. And given the number is so high, I, now that I'm sitting where I am in terms of, you know, I'm feeling this sense of freedom, I can own my story, why aren't we talking about it more? And, and why aren't those that have because experienced also it? Also people that feel that there is a certain amount of shame associated with it. Uh, they feel still that it's their fault that they had a hand into it because once you've been groomed, you've been groomed. Yeah, and, and those are those are all things know. that right. You don't know what you don't know. This is a new experience yeah. for you, and then those feelings that you have, it makes it very difficult to find a love of your own because now is this person manipulating me? Are they trusting me? Are they hurting me? You know, I'm feeling a certain amount of pleasure that you might have felt with that person that violated you. Now I've got mixed emotions. There's mixed signals. I'm not supposed to be feeling this either. I mean, you could be all over the place. Yeah, all those things. You could absolutely be all over the place, but yeah, which is why it's so important, April, that we talk about it, right? That we have conversations for for people who are at that place of being able to speak from the scar. I'm not suggesting that anyone that's you know still in their story and processing their story would be strong enough or brave enough to speak but those that are I think if we could all speak it's kind of like the me too movement you know if we add our voice it lets those that are still in that I don't I, you know still trying to make sense of their story and feeling that victim shame uh, all those things that um, are very true for so many people our voices can then support them, which mm -hmm. is why I wrote my book. Well, I'm glad that you did. So now let's get mm -hmm. off the heavy duty stuff and okay. ask some fun questions. All right. What is your superpower, Karen? Ah, superpower. Well, now I would say that my superpower is being able to feel mm. um, because, you know, I was dissociated for so long. So being able to now be in my body and feel mm -hmm. and I can feel joy I can feel love I can feel happiness so there's so much more uh it's like my my life's in technicolor now if you were a color what color would you be <laughs> definitely pink pink is my color although I'm a little bit kind of orange and blue today but that's okay um, pink pink to me is the color of love and I you know 
love and kindness would be my mantras. So, yeah. You had a conversation with a 20-year-old Karen Garten. What would you say to her? What would I say to her? Well, what I would say to her now is that you didn't do anything wrong. And you, oh, I'm making myself emotional now. You didn't do anything wrong and you didn't deserve to have what happened to you happen. And go talk to someone about it. Go tell someone. Don't hold it. Don't hold it for 36 years. Yeah. Talk about it. I get you, sister. I get you. If you yeah. were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance mm. would it be? Mm. <laughs> what appliance? I'm not keen on the kitchen, I've got to say. <laughs> I would probably be my Thermomix. I have a Thermomix and it does everything. So, you know, super I talented, bit of this, like bit of that. Mixer, uh, that I asked that question. I think I'd be the air fryer. Oh, yeah. Because it's nice and clean and gets things crispy, keeps them juicy. I love it. So I would be the air fryer. <laughs> bit if of crunch. flour in the garden, what flower mm. would you be? Well, uh, I think I'd like to be a rose. A rose has a beautiful perfume. It's beautiful to look at. And um, it's a symbol of love. Again, come back to love. Exactly. What's on your bucket list? What is something that you want to accomplish or you want to do before the curtain call? Yeah, bucket list. So I feel really drawn to support other survivors. And I do um, spend weekends sometimes with groups of people doing meditation type retreats. So I would love to be able to create a circle where survivors could come together, meditate, share their stories in the, in the safety of a circle, share their stories and be witnessed and held and loved through everything that they've experienced. And what do you want your legacy to be? That's probably it. <laughs> my, I think I've already like written my legacy here. Um, just that wherever, uh, yeah, when I'm gone, I would like to people to say that Karen made a difference. Karen came from her heart and she supported people and she made a difference. You did, and you raised the frequency. You gave people a yeah. voice, uh, a safe space. Yeah. Raise there are a lot of people a whole space with you. And how many times have you had something happen to you and you just want to get it off your chest? Mm -hmm. You just want to have that big, ugly, snotty nose cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but somebody to hold that space with you and just hold you really tight and let you know it's okay. And that you will get past this. And now you have a testimony, you have a story to share with other individuals. Um, and thank you so much for that. Because that, that takes courage. You have to be brave uh, to do that. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, um, Karen, and how to purchase a copy of one of those amazing books. Mm. So I have a website. It's karengarton.com.au uh, for Australia. And I'm on Instagram as well, karengarton5. And you can just search up Speaking from the Scar on Amazon. And uh, you'll find it there. So, yeah, I'd love to. All your information on the back. Uh, Brains, if you're here in the United States, it's a great stocking stuffer. 
you know, it's a great read anytime, especially in the cold winter. Uh, we want to cuddle up and just be, um, just go on a journey. Now, are there some pages in the book that's going to make us laugh too, Karen? <laughs> uh, there's a few, but probably not as many as there are. There actually, right. there is. That's all right. There is we gotta, one. We gotta break it up. It, it can't be all. Yeah, yeah, all no, that that's... Serious. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again for being here on the Edge Brains. Please go in, uh, purchase a copy of Karen's book, like, love, share, and subscribe this amazing interview. Let others know that they are not alone. That there's somebody out there. That there's hope because there's someone there that's not going to be as strong as Karen. They're tethered by a string, a very delicate string. And we don't want them to do anything that's going to make it snap, pop, or bend. So thank you so much, Karen, for being here on the edge. Please come back and visit us again, okay? Thank you, April. I would love to. Thank you for having me today. It's been a delight. Thank you. Brains, love on yourself, okay? Look out on you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.